I don't know if this needs a trigger warning right here or not, but heads up just in case. This is kind of my joke. I'm like, if you hit a point that you feel like having a needle put into your back sounds better than your contractions, then you're probably ready to do whatever it takes to receive that medication. Getting pregnant and giving birth are two of the most exciting things you can ever hope to experience in this life. The moment you think you could be pregnant, you're frantically searching for all the best information, which is why you're here today. I'm Stephanie King, and with my many years of experience as a professional childbirth educator, doula, and lover of all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, I'm here to make preparing for your birth enjoyable, empowering, and totally easy. Each week, I'll cover different topics, interview professionals, and get into the nitty-gritty birth stories from mamas just like you. And when you're ready for more, you can join me in the My Essential Birth course at myessentialbirth.com, where I take you step-by-step through exactly how to prepare your mind, body, spirit, and partner for a birth you love. So let's get started. All right, let's hear from that reviewer of the week, which is Calm Patreet. She says, so grateful for this podcast for making my unmedicated birth possible. Found this podcast at four weeks pregnant with an unexpected baby. I'm only 21 and had zero knowledge of anything birth or baby related and was so in the dark. This podcast has provided me with so much confidence and knowledge. I'm now 32 weeks and planning for an unmedicated hospital birth. Very cool. That is so exciting. Thank you so much for all your podcast and the birth course. Thank you for being here. And I love that you were able to find something that works for you, especially with an unexpected pregnancy. And when you are young, that is everything, right? To have a place that you can come and find confidence and feel empowered and feel confident about the decisions that you're making for your birth. So that's awesome. If you're here and you're listening today, it is probably going to be another good episode for anyone to pause take notes, (laughs) Um, be thinking maybe even just about the future and where you want to go with this. But I want to talk to you about pain management options during labor because this is kind of one of those things, right, that is out there and we kind of sort of talk about it or kind of think about it, but maybe we don't understand fully what's involved. And this is what I want to talk to you about today. So I want to talk about some different options that you have. I'm going to start with the things that can happen in the hospital and some of the medications that are used, what they do, and that kind of information. And then I want to dive into all of those natural ways that you can work with your body um, or utilize different things in your space or information that you have in order to work through discomfort a little more comfortably, (laughs) if you will. So with that, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what your options are when it comes to pain management and really what pain management is. Like I said, some medical, some non-medical, but depending on where you give birth, whether in a hospital and depending on that hospital setting, is it more baby-friendly, more labor-friendly, more um, holistic-minded, or is it more medical, kind of what your options are in those spaces and what you might want to bring depending on the situation? Uh, And then also, what are those natural things that we can do? So let's talk about medicine first and the most common one that all of you are going to know about, which is the epidural. Now, this one is the nice thing about an epidural when we're talking about pain management is it doesn't tend to affect the mental space so much with the actual drugs that are used. The the medicine that's used goes to 
a different part of your body. And so it does not necessarily affect uh, so much your mental state. Whereas if you're taking something like fentanyl or morphine or statol, those kinds of things uh, affect physically how you're feeling. I mean, obviously, this is going to affect you physically. But um, it's also kind of that mental side of things or like just how you feel kind of in your head after taking it. This is not the same that way. So let me explain. Uh, There's a couple of different types of epidurals. And what it does, what an epidural does is it blocks sensation and the use of limbs. (laughs) Um, The goal is to get it to block, right? Like from the waist down so that you're not feeling contractions, but it does make it so you can't feel your legs, you can't move your legs, all that kind of stuff. There are a couple different options though. One is that regular epidural. And the idea is they start with a numbing to the area. So they give you an injection that numbs the area and then they puncture through with like a bigger needle that has the catheter that gets strung through that needle and hopefully heads downwards in a downward direction so that when the medicine goes into that catheter, it drips down and that's where the numbing happens occasionally. And that's kind of one of the risks. That catheter can go up instead of down. And then we have numbing of the upper area and women feeling like I can't feel myself breathing and it can be very scary. It's rare that it happens. It is a risk, but I'll go over some of that in just a moment. But There is that kind of regular epidural. There's also like a spinal epidural, which they call a walking epidural. I have not personally been to any births here in the United States where this has been used. However, when we were overseas in Germany, I had heard of women receiving walking epidurals. And I will say just from my experience being in Germany and the epidural that I had, even though it was not a walking epidural, it was not as strong as the other epidural I had had. And I had a really good experience with it. So it depends on your anesthesiologist. It depends on, you know, how much medicine they're using and all that kind of stuff. But there are kind of different goes at at how that works. Now, how it's administered, I kind of talked about that. You have a local anesthetic and it feels kind of like a bee sting, but it can be a little bit more intense than that. Generally, that's like the most uncomfortable part. And then it's just weird. (laughs) It's just weird feeling from that point on. But then they do the like bigger needle with that catheter. The idea is that it accesses the epidural space and it does not go all the way through to your spinal cord fluid. However, occasionally you will accidentally receive that because here's the thing, epidurals are all done by feel and even with the very best of anesthesiologists, there can be an occasional, they went too far and punctured that area. And that is where if you've ever heard of moms who have had an epidural and postpartum, they're like, I have these headaches and I can't get rid of them. And they find themselves on the floor with migraines and that kind of stuff and um, maybe even have to go in and get a blood patch so that they can cover up that area so that they're not leaking that spinal fluid. That is because somebody went through a little too far and they were past the epidural space and they went into the spinal space. So let's hope that when you receive your epidural, that is not going to be the case. This is just information. So just remember that. So once that catheter is placed, then the needle is removed. um, And then the only thing that you have is a very thin catheter. And that would be attached to the wall or medicine bag or wherever they have you that will drip that medicine continuously through there. So the difference between this walking epidural or the spinal epidural slash walking epidural and the other epidural, the spinal epidural is going to have immediate pain relief from the injection into that spinal space. So this is different than the catheter area. The injection lasts about 90 minutes. So after that wears off, then you have other things that need to be done. Um, It's called a walking epidural because it 
has been known to have some feeling in your legs. And sometimes moms can even walk around. So again, depends on your space and providers and all of that. Um, But the reason that you still have that feeling is because it's also a lower dose of medication given into that area. So keep that in mind. Now, as far as an epidural goes, these take about 10 to 20 minutes to work. Now, remember too, this is something that nurses in a hospital setting are going to tell you early on. This is why they have you sign paperwork right away when you come in. And I'm talking to you moms that are looking to go unmedicated or medicated, but really like unmedicated moms wonder when they get to the hospital, why are they asking me to sign the epidural form now? And the reason for that is, number one, you're more in your right mind than then later on and having to like think through and work through that stuff. So they want you to have an opportunity to really know what you're signing and all of that. Um, the other reason, though, is because as things get more intense for you and um, it's time to sign and all that kind of stuff, if you tell the nurse, I need an epidural, well, they can call the anesthesiologist, but nothing can be done until the paperwork is signed. And so they always say, you know, make sure you sign it first. It just is better. If the anesthesiologist, if once you decide you want an epidural, an anesthesiologist is not available because they've got two people ahead of you waiting for epidurals or whatever, then there can be kind of that lag of response time. And generally by the time a mom, especially a mom that's looking to go unmedicated, asks for her epidural, she has, she's like at the end of her rope and she's like, I need it now. Like I'm mentally am prepared to ask for some help and I would like it now. So that is something to keep in mind just as you're planning for your birth, particularly if you're planning on going unmedicated, that is something to keep in mind. It's something that your doula or birth partner can keep track of as well. You can even ask your nurse, hey, if I'm wanting an epidural, like how far out is that right now? And if they're like, oh, we can have them here in 10 minutes. No big deal. That's great. If they're like, oh, yeah, you need to let us know because they're on call or they're over here, they're in a surgery or whatever, then <laughs> that would be time, you know, maybe even up to an hour or more where you've decided you would like an epidural and you still have to wait a little bit. So that's something to think about as well. Now, as this epidural medication is delivered through that catheter, um, over the next couple of contractions, over that 10 to 20 minutes, you'll have less and less sensation until you really should lose all sensation. However, it is kind of one of those things. Um, if you have an epidural, it's really important that you move your body, that somebody helps you physically lay on the right side and then lay on the left side, use your peanut ball, that kind of thing. One of the things that we do see is if mom is on her right side, then that right side will go numb really well, but the left side will still have feeling and she'll still feel those contractions um, as she's experiencing labor. So that's why it's really important. You want medicine to go both sides of the body. So make sure that you're rotating and then just to be able to open up the pelvis and things, make sure that you have that peanut ball. The other thing about when to receive an epidural, and this is obviously personal preference, but if you get it earlier, Uh, just know that it can kind of stall things out, especially if there's not really good picked up active labor, or there will be more time with a mom and baby on Pitocin, which can increase other risks as well. So keep that in mind. Here's the thing. Even if you are a mom that is planning for an epidural, this is where I feel like it's unfair. I feel like providers don't plan to tell you this. Even if you're planning for an epidural, you're going to have to feel contractions. (laughs) Nine times out of 10, unless you have a planned cesarean or something like that, you are going to experience some amount of contractions. So it would be silly to not prepare yourself to figure out how to breathe with your body and work with your body. And it's silly to me that providers do not tell moms this. Learn to work with your body a little bit. 
So you can get yourself a little further out because the truth is the later in labor that you are able to receive that epidural, and I'm talking maybe like six centimeters plus, and obviously when I say six centimeters, we're not just talking about dilation. I'm talking like really active working through at labor. If you can wait a little bit longer, your chances for intervention and cesarean birth will decrease. So keep that in mind as you're planning how long you can hold on to things and when you would like that epidural. I remember with my first birth, my provider was like, you know, he he told me he was planning for an epidural for me and he wanted to let me know that he lets his patients get them much earlier than other providers. And he was so proud of that. And, um, that was wonderful for him. But the whole time I was like, and I'm planning on going unmedicated and I happen to know some of the risks that come along with this. So keep that in mind. If you are planning for an epidural, plan to have contractions. And then if you can push it out just a little bit and every contraction more that you go before adding an epidural can decrease some of that intervention. So keep that in mind as a very positive kind of background thing. Now, as far as risks with an epidural, so not that it's a risk, but uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. (laughs) Now, if you hit the point, this is kind of like my joke. And I don't know if this needs a trigger warning right here or not, but heads up just in case. This is kind of my joke. I'm like, if you hit a point that you feel like having a needle put into your back sounds better than your contractions, (laughs) then you're probably ready to do whatever it takes to receive that medication. But keep in mind, you do have to sit really, really still while it is administered. Um, depending on where you're at, they might even try to kick dad out of the room. So be really clear that that's not an option and he should be able to stay by your side at all times. Uh, Same with doulas or other birth support, but I would just kind of have that written in your birth plan that should I choose to receive an epidural, I still want support in my room right next to me. So they are pretty... It's pretty, I don't know, it depends on the anesthesiologist, but oftentimes it's like they don't care if you're having contractions. I mean, they're not going to wait for the next one. Occasionally they will, but they're like, you know, let's just get this done. And so they just they just go through it and it does take a little bit of time, the prep work and all of that. So keep that in mind. The other thing that can be a risk is it can lower your blood pressure. And so that can make baby's heart rate drop. Um, They're also going to give you IV fluids continually to kind of try to combat that. And then along with that is they're going to give Pitocin. And this is where I ran into trouble with my first is as soon as I had the epidural and they kicked up the Pitocin, my son could not handle the Pitocin. So his heart rate kept dropping every time they tried to pick up that Pitocin. So we could never get contractions that were strong enough without baby going into distress. So it ended up being a cesarean for baby in distress caused by the Pitocin. So that's something to keep in mind is that these things do have effect on mom and they do have effect on baby. It's not that it will every time. My second baby was born completely vaginally with an epidural and Pitocin. So just kind of food for thought. Other things to keep in mind when you have an epidural is your movement shifts from you being able to be more upright and walking around and your baby naturally like working through the pelvis and you understanding what your body needs by the sensations that it's having and moving with that. So it's going to be really important, like I said, to have somebody that can continually move you and use a peanut ball or those stirrups so that you can get that pelvis nice and open. The other thing that you need to remember is you'll have a urinary catheter placed. So you will be continuously monitored. You will have to be in bed and you'll have a urinary catheter, which they'll take out just a little bit after you give birth. Uh, Along with that can be some shivering or shaking There can be ringing of the ears, a backache, and that can be postpartum too, not just during, but it can be both. There can be soreness at the insertion site that's typically felt afterwards, um, if not sometimes during. And then nausea can be a thing um, and difficulty urinating post 
taking the urinary catheter out. So keep those things in mind for risks. Now, an epidural is something that you cannot receive if you have low platelets, if you can't sit still long enough for it to be administered, or obviously if your baby is actively being born. So those would be the things that stand in the way of that. So make sure that you speak with your provider if this is something that you want. Now, the nice part is very little medication reaches the baby. So if you're interested in combining that spinal epidural with the walking epidural, you can ask your provider kind of what the benefits and risks of each are and if it's an option, um, what you can do in that situation. I feel like it's becoming more popular, but it doesn't mean that all the hospitals are on board yet. So they may or may not even have that as an option. All right, let's dive into opioids. This helps your entire body feel less pain, but I feel like it's just what it does in your brain that makes it feel like you're experiencing less pain when you're actually not. So it just kind of makes you more loopy, loopy. But certain ones that are used during labor could be fentanyl, demerol, statol, or morphine. Opioids are usually given in the earlier stages of labor, so it's less likely that there'll be serious consequences to BB, but everything has cause and effect. Overall side effects from opioids, especially for mom, is nausea, vomiting, itchy, Uh, dizziness, sedation, decreased gastric motility, loss of protective airway reflexes, and hypoxia due to respiratory depression. So there are risks associated with it. The other thing is opioids cross the placenta during labor. So that's and that's one of the reasons it's why it's given earlier during labor, because if those are given too close to giving birth, then it can cause some serious issues with the baby um, with breathing and that kind of thing postpartum. But some of those risks include the central nervous system depression, respiratory depression, impaired early breastfeeding, altered neurologic behavior and decreased ability to regulate body temperature. So those are the things that we're looking at for baby. Demerol, if this is one of them that you're thinking of or is offered to you, this one alters how mom recognizes the pain she's experiencing. So as we're talking about decreased pain, it's not like ibuprofen where you have a pain and you take it and the pain goes away. It alters your mental state while you're experiencing the pain, which may be a positive and might be a negative depending on mom and how she feels in that situation. Kind of other side effects having nothing to do with the physical part of thing could be that like mental state of being in your head about things and should I have done this or other other thoughts like am I going to be a good mom or you know postpartum or just like bawling <laughs> completely out of nowhere those medications can kind of have an effect in that way but it's given as an injection or it's administered through a pump and it starts working in about five minutes and lasts about two to four hours which is why they do that at the beginning of the labor and baby also may need Narcan um, which is a medication to help with breathing postpartum, depending on how things are going and how quickly after receiving that medication they're born. Stadol is another medication, and this is a sedative that has been found to relieve pain when it's given in the first stage of labor. It is considered more potent than Demerol, and this one lasts three to four hours. It's given in an IV, and it starts working in less than five minutes. This one may or may not cause some nausea, and it can cause that dysphoria for mom, which is a state of feeling unwell or unhappy, kind of the opposite of euphoria. So keep that in mind as we are talking about labor and really what happens during labor, which is that we remember more than anything how we felt during that time. So that can obviously that's going to go, it can take, you can take that with you into postpartum as part of obviously how you remember and what you feel about your birth. So not just the physical things are important. Remember about the mental side of things as well. 
Fentanyl is another one. This is a sedative. It causes that kind of mild to moderate sedation. This one is administered through a pump just like the epidural. You can give yourself more as needed and it starts working quickly and only lasts about 45 minutes. So it clears from your body quickly. This is the one that they also will do like injections in the booty or something like that. But it should not be present in baby's blood at birth. That does not mean that it did not get to your baby or have an effect on baby, um, but it does clear through fairly quick. So babies born to mom who use fentanyl are less likely to need that Narcan medication that I talked about that helps with breathing than babies who whose moms have used Demerol. So fentanyl tends to be the one that providers lean towards. Um, I don't even know if moms are really given the option during that. So this is kind of just information so that you know what can happen and what medications may or may not be offered. Now, morphine is usually given earlier in labor as well. Again, if it's given too close to delivery, it can cause that temporary breathing and heart rate problems for baby. And it's not often given because of that. So morphine is there. But again, that's more on the the bigger side. Overall, opioids tend to make you feel sleepy and nauseous. And so that's something to consider as you are preparing to go through this very, you know, intense kind of longer stage of of labor and all of these things that are going to be happening. And it's obviously one of those things too. Anytime you receive any kind of medication, like even if you don't get the epidural and you're only going for some kind of opioid, um, even just a shot of fentanyl or whatever it is, that that's when that increased monitoring for mom and baby becomes necessary. So if something like freedom of movement and less monitoring is really important to you, then these are things that you're going to want to stay away from or utilize only, you know, if you absolutely need to. Now, stay with me. I told you I was going to go over the medical stuff first, and then I'm going to dive into the more holistic or what we can do on our own kind of things in just a minute. Nitrous oxide. This one has become popular to use for moms, even moms who are looking to go unmedicated. Um, And I'll talk about that in just a minute. But this is the one that it's often called laughing gas, right? This is the stuff that you receive when you go to your dentist, except the way that they give it during labor is just a little bit different. Um, but it is inhaled and it's it's really popular in countries like Sweden and Australia and Finland um, and, and Europe, just to name a few. But the popularity in the United States is rising, and so it's definitely worthy of conversation. Uh, the nice thing about it is it's out of your system really quick, but I do think no matter what, right, there are benefits and risks to everything. And while right now it's kind of being touted as this thing that there's no side effects and, you know, everything's fine, it is doing something. And so we can't pretend that just because everybody's using it and just because it's not as intense as these other things that it does not have side effects. So I would hate to give information like that, like, yeah, it's totally safe. Um, And then have somebody who came back and is like, it's totally safe for most people or most people don't have these situations, but here's my situation and it actually went really poorly and I wish somebody would have told me X, Y, and Z. So that's what we're here to do. Now, when it's used during labor, it's given at 50% oxygen and 50% nitrous oxide. It does not offer strong pain relief. It's um, more of if you've ever had nitrous oxide, like for for uh, dental work or anything like that, it's it's more like takes you away to a happy place and you don't care as much what is happening. But even if you've had it just for dental work, you know that there's kind of like this feeling that you have when you on it are on it, and when you come down. 
it's not always just this like clean break and we're back into normalness. And so I do think that's important to consider when we're talking about the mental state and emotional state of women during labor and that this absolutely can have an effect on that. So keep that in mind. Um, So you still have an awareness. You still have those labor sensations. The idea is that it helps mom to relax and it decreases that pain. Uh, perception. And this can be one of those great ones where whether it's used at home and that depends on providers and all that kind of stuff or in the hospital, especially for moms who are looking to go unmedicated. Maybe you have something that is making you really tense up, whether that's like early pushing, uh, feelings of pushing or just general like tension. You've been up for a really long amount of time and you're having a hard time relaxing your body. This can be a really excellent thing in that in that space, if you are looking for something, like if you're like, I'm ready to go for the epidural, but I'd like to utilize this first to be able to say, okay, maybe, you know, just a couple of breaths of this and I can get through a couple contractions where I can really allow my body to be loose and open. And then we see some dilation and things can continue to move. So that's kind of the idea behind that. It's self-administered. So you can give as much or as little as you need. You just a lot of that inhaling or you can take a break from the inhaling as well. It's generally considered safe, but again, like I said, everything has an effect. The idea, though, as far as it being safe is it doesn't interfere interfere with the release of oxytocin, it doesn't affect breastfeeding, and it does not increase the need for neonatal resuscitation. Again, I think some of that is kind of hard to completely track. So as far as like breastfeeding and oxytocin, I don't know that we have a completely full studied picture here, but overall, this is what we are being told. And so I'm relaying that information. Now, side effects for mom, dizziness, nausea, vomiting. Um, You shouldn't receive it if you have low B12. If you've had recent ear surgery, which weird, right? But it actually can cause changes in in your ear pressure. Um, And it's not available at all hospitals. So make sure that you call ahead of time and ask if this is something that you are interested in utilizing. All right, let's dive into our more natural coping techniques. So great ways that your birth partner can connect with you and help you through labor contractions, massage, counter pressure, practice while you're pregnant and see what feels good. You can use breath work and breathing, birthing balls, leaning over them, rocking your hips, doing figure eights, bouncing on them a little bit warm compresses, creating kind of a home life atmosphere. So I always tell moms, like, bring what's going to make you feel the most comfortable and safe, especially if you're going to a hospital or a birth center, um, somewhere that's not your home. So like, bring your own pillow with your own pillowcase, your own smells, bring your husband's sweatshirt and uh, like spray his cologne on it or whatever's going to make you feel more comfortable. Put a couple of pictures up, bring stuff from your house that's going to make you feel more comfortable. It's going to be more homey. Um, I even say like aromatherapy or something that can make it not smell so sterile, things that are going to help you relax. So uh, that goes along with the essential oils, relaxation being like meditation and music, even like a labor playlist, whatever you've got ready to go. Combs, that can be really great for pain management and holding on to that and moving it around in your hand or gripping it during contractions. Um, and then movement and changing positions and making sure that you're urinating about every 30 minutes. But movement in general is going to make moms more comfortable. And we always say about every 30 minutes, get up and move. That's a good time to pee. It's also a good time to change positions. Um, As far as when we talk about like how our brain works and how our bodies work to go through different pains or to kind of work through different sensations in a more comfortable way, 
when there's like there's something called this pain gate theory. I talk about this in the birth course as well. So if you're in there, you've heard me talk about this. But um, basically, say that I'm like laying on my side and contractions are coming and they're coming on strong and they're getting more and more intense, right? If I move, then it kind of messes up these receptors in the brain that say this is pain, like right here, like we're all comfortable. We know where it's coming from, this contraction, this next one's going to be even more painful. Here we go. But when you move and you change up your position, then it interferes with those pain receptors and they say, wait a second, what are we still hurt? Does this, what does this feel like? And so it gives your body an opportunity to kind of recalibrate, find a different position, do a little bit less on the pain side of things, a little bit more comfort. Um, and then hopefully you can utilize the restroom at that time as well, which as I'm talking about this, you should be drinking lots of water during labor as well. And speaking of water, water is mother nature's epidural. That is its phrase and nothing more can be true. I can tell you from personal experience, I can tell you as a professional doula, this is what I see all the time. And we say utilize it like an epidural. So, and let me explain. If you're like me, I like to get into my labor by being in some water. So I like to take a bath and I just like to sit there. Like once contractions begin, I take a bath, I take deep breaths, and I allow myself to get excited about the birth. I allow myself to feel the contractions. I allow myself to realize that I'm in labor. I just kind of take it all in during that time. And so water is like my first thing that just allows me to be more grounded and relaxed and focused on my labor. As time goes on, I recommend not utilizing that and getting out of the tub and then pulling the water trick out when you are feeling like you need a little bit more support, when things are becoming a little bit more intense. And then when you are, you know, using it like an epidural, like you're six centimeters or you're really, you know, actively in labor and then you're like, I need some relief. Like instead of grabbing an epidural, try a tub, try a hot shower and you will just be so impressed <laughs> by how great that water is. And so, that, I mean, that can be a trick that you use too, right? If you're like, I know I want an epidural, I'm going to aim for that really active labor. So when I feel like I can't do it anymore, maybe I'm going to call them and tell them I want the epidural in 30 minutes, but I'm going to push this out a little bit longer by getting some water. And then you might surprise yourself that as time goes on and you utilize something like Mother Nature's epidural being water, you might find that you're actually able to push it out a little bit more and a little bit more. And who knows, you might have a baby even without an epidural, even if that was your plan. So that can be kind of fun. But shower, bathtub, birthing tub, however you can get the water is awesome. Um, the other thing, too, is if you have like a big tub, like Again, even if you plan to get an epidural, you can still ask if your hospital has a room that is for like natural birthing or unmedicated birth where they have a big labor tub. That can be so good because it allows your whole body to submerge instead of just like up to your thighs or your lower belly. If you can get your whole belly submerged, it feels so good and they'll help you with the body or with the temperature, the water temperature and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it lessens that body weight, it, like taking some of that weight off and, and allowing your legs to like be squatted too. That's what I loved about it. When I was in the bath, I was like, I can be in the tub. My legs don't feel strained because this water, it makes you more buoyant. And so it's not like so much of a strain on the perineal area or the legs or the back. And so it just feels really good. It can get some of that off. The other thing it can do is lowers mom's stress-related hormones, right? Anytime you feel more comfortable, you're going to lower those hormones. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, we do say the other reason that it may or may not be good to get into uh, water earlier, we say not because it can slow down your contractions. 
So that's something to keep in mind as well. Like say you're at three or four centimeters, you're feeling it, you want to get in. It can really slow things down, which can be great if you're like, I need a break and you know, whatever. Um, But then it might slow things down a little too much and you might have to get out anyway. So if you need the break, take it. And then once you're ready, jump out. Otherwise, just wait till you absolutely need that break. Once things are really going, it's unlikely that the, the water's really going to slow it down. It's just going to help ease the contractions or discomfort from them at that point. And then it can also soften the perineum or like I had said, because things are more buoyant and whatever, just allow things to like stretch and open really well. So it's a good option whether or not you're using it during labor or like before you leave the home. However you decide to use it, water can just be awesome. So I hope this episode was helpful today. I want you to realize that you have pain management options and to understand what happens with each of those and what the benefits and risks are of each. So whether that's medicine that you're utilizing in a medical setting, being a hospital or unmedicated options that you're using hospital, home birth or birth center, all of those things that we talked about today are all options that you have. And so you get to decide what's going to work best for you. I think it's really important to plan for the birth that you want, the one that's going to light you up, the one that's going to bring you joy. If that is an epidural, that sounds great. If it is an unmedicated birth, that's wonderful. If it's somewhere in between, you get to pick. But it's really fair that you have all the information in order to be able to make those decisions. Now, If you're still with me here and you have not yet, sign up for the three free exercises. I'm going to put that link below because it comes with a bunch of freebies and I want you to have it. And two, if you like what you're hearing here and you would like me to hold your hand and walk you through preparing for your birth, then that's when you dive into the birth course. So if you haven't looked into that yet, it's myessentialbirth.com. You can click and get the three exercises on that site. You can dive into the My Essential Birth course. You can click and add the postpartum course. Wherever you are, we are happy to help you along your journey. And thank you so much for allowing me just to be a part of your birth. And I hope you guys have a great week. If you loved what you heard today, the very best way to support this podcast and help other moms to find it is to leave a quick review. I read one at the beginning of the episodes and I would love for yours to be next. And if you're ready for even more pregnancy, birth, and postpartum goodness, Come join me in the My Essential Birth course at myessentialbirth.com, where I will hold your hand and walk you through pregnancy and birth step-by-step so you're totally prepared for a birth you'll love. See you next week.